0: Good morning, afternoon, or evening. And welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Network. The following show is just horrifying.
1: Beware.
0: You're obsessed with her? And you're obsessed with her daughter! All right, easy, Geraldo.
1: And welcome back to Horror Queers. We are doing a special one-off episode on Apple TV's Servant, and we are joined by Terry Menard of Gaily Dreadful and Scarred for Life. And folks, this is about the fifth time we have tried to record this, and this is going to be the one that nails it! Did you
2: hit record? <laughs>
1: shut up you (laughs) nobody likes you
2: it's fine um yeah no i'm super excited uh i mean again both of y'all have been reviewing this show back and forth for Mm -hmm. well both seasons actually which has been
1: super fun yes terry estimated that we have somewhere between what 50 and 60 pages of reviews we're sitting at 60 pages for season two right now that is banana pants it's it's pretty wild well
2: but, i watched this show simply for pleasure
1: which was very <laughs> nice <laughs> it's not entirely true trace we did cover season one and the first two episodes of season two for the patreon oh yeah yeah we did. <laughs> <laughs> it's the pandemic folks we're, we're still adjusting <laughs> okay so what did folks think of this second
2: season Okay, wait, I'm sorry. First of all, really quick, uh, if you've never seen Servant, uh, we're going to be spoiling it. Mm-hmm. I don't know why you'd be watching this if you haven't seen any of it, especially season two, but yeah, we're going to be uh, spoiling it because I don't know when this is dropping, like after the season finale airs, but you know, it's like the day of. Yeah, but we're also not going to handhold you through it. So if you haven't seen it, we're not going to be like, well, this is exactly what happens. Although
1: we, eh, who knows, maybe we will. <laughs> no, a big part of this is we're doing this as a special edition because we want people to see that it's an important show and it's worthy of being talked about. For me, this is actually my favorite show that's airing right now. There's a lot of really good quality television on right now. And I feel like servant is the one that hits it out of the park and people just aren't giving it its due. Well, the only reason I'm here is because I was hoping
0: one of you had a Betamax player. Oh God. I realized I was watching that this isn't a Betamax tape. I was going to
2: say Terry, that's not, that's a VHS.
0: (laughs) But as someone who is old enough to have had a Betamax tape, tape, I do not have one anymore, I will say. But I had to bring the gag in it because that's such a plot point in this that, like, was such an eager moment for both Joe and I. We're like, what's on the tape? What's on the tape? What is on that motherfucking tape? (laughs) So, wait, was Betamax, was it video too or was it just audio? It was both. It was both. It was like a a better VHS. Like, people liked the video
2: video quality of it better, but Mm -hmm. it was uh, more expensive and... Wait, is it a video in the in the season? I, I don't know why I thought it was just audio. <laughs> yes, it's a video. <laughs> it's a video, Trace. I promise I watched the season.
1: <laughs> Trace was cooking throughout the season. He was drinking throughout the season. I wasn't
2: reviewing it critically after episode two. So I was like, all right, cool. I can have a glass of wine while I watch this. <laughs> it was basically like it is the equivalent to the HD DVD slash Blu-ray battle. Oh, that and displays. VHS one yes got it okay that makes sense that makes sense
0: and so that's why sony had so much writing on the blu-ray because they they sony the beta was a sony product and uh there was like is this gonna be beta all over again when the blu-ray came out
1: that's hilarious yeah yeah and that's why it becomes such an issue in the season of servant is because you can't just go out and get a betamax player like you can't just rent these from anywhere people have to have a working tape of it and those are very rare all right so Joe you came up with um a very bold statement where you said it's like this show is your favorite thing you've seen on TV like right now. Mhm. For me this is the kind of show that honestly it feels like it's so prestige It's got top quality acting. It's attracting a roster of really exciting directorial talent. Mostly for me, it's the way that they use the single location. So the the Turner's Brownstone in Philadelphia. The way that they have managed to capture the essence and use the camera, the framing. I just think it's a really exciting show to watch. And it's usually willing to be weird and odd. Kind of like how Terry's gone green. (laughs) You are green, (laughs) Terry. (laughs) Everything everything on this recording is going it's okay. super we're weird. gonna leave it and hopefully it fixes itself
2: <laughs> i am so not green on my end i you don't are, understand you're green on my end <laughs> <laughs> and now i can't hear you i just saw you i saw you mouth no, i green. mouthed it <laughs> oh. <laughs> ah.
1: there you go right, you're, you're back. back you're back yeah, yeah. thank god <laughs> it's a drinking game folks every time terry goes green take a shot <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah so terry what is it that attracts you about this second season in particular well I would, I would go
0: a little bit further and say this is probably my my favorite of the continuing horror stories like like mm-hmm. a, a, not a self-contained story cuz I do think you know haunting of hill house is, has some stuff to say but like in terms of an ongoing story this is probably my favorite horror television series I've ever I've ever seen and it's for a lot of the same reasons that you said I think the writing is is top notch mm-hmm. I think that it kind of tickles that like lost feelings yes back in the day when like you'd be watching an episode and you'd want to like dissect it and figure out what is what did they mean when they did this or what was that little detail or that camera angle or that whatever the case may be I think that that is is something that is really really exciting to me and I've I've loved writing about it because there's so much to unpack in each episode and it's only like they're 30 minutes long 30 to 40 and there's so much it's
2: so dense actually this the the episodes this season were shorter because there were a couple last season that went beyond 30 most of the ones this season were like right at 30 or just under but i'm glad you brought up the loss comparison because the whole time watching the finale i was like glued to the screen and i kept checking the timer not because i was like oh my god when is this gonna end i was like oh my god when is it gonna end because i don't know like how much like time they have left to like just tell me things Mm oh yeah (laughs) which is how you
1: always felt And it's the kind of show, too, where particularly when we were covering that first season, we didn't know whether it was going to get picked up for a second season because it seemed like nobody was talking about it. So the first season ends on this big cliffhanger where Jericho is abducted by Leanne and this swarm of random people just disappears in the middle of the street and then that was it. And we didn't know whether we were going to ever get any more. So one of the joys of covering the second season in particular is knowing that there's at least two more seasons of this coming. And it it was six. And then I think they dialed it back down to four.
2: No, they did. But it's been renewed for sure, for one, but it hasn't been renewed for a fourth yet, has it? No, it seems like the kind of thing. They'll just do it. Yeah. I was gonna ask you guys too about that. Because yeah, Shyamalan's original idea, he said, Oh, I have like, again like it's like the lost thing I have like a blueprint for six ten episode seasons and now we're at four which I think that was the compromise with him and Apple TV maybe when it wasn't like getting all the word of mouth that it should have been getting mm-hmm. so they're like hey can you Parse it down a bit. And he's like, yeah, I guess I'll put it to four seasons.
1: <laughs> yeah, it it's interesting because I could imagine people watching the show and feeling like, oh, it looks really good and sure the acting is great, but there just isn't enough happening in some of these episodes, which I would very strongly disagree with, but I think it's also because I've been looking at it very critically and looking for those Easter eggs and really just reveling in what the show is doing. But I have wondered if this is I'm going to say it. I wonder if this is like too much of a prestige kind of drama for people. And they're like, no, but where is the gore? Where is? that kind of shit
2: you know i saw one again i haven't really been reading reviews for this at all but i did see one of the finale where they were like oh we were getting really worried of the lack of answers the show was giving us and it's so interesting watching this season i was like at a certain point i was kind of like i don't even care if i'm getting answers because i'm so into what i'm watching like lost you know lost was so built i'm sorry to bring it back to lost it was so built around oh like what's happening what's happening that was the water that that was the water cooler conversation it's like what's like the secret And Mm -hmm. that is here, but honestly, it's one of the first true times where I'm like, oh, honestly, I'm enjoying the journey so much that the destination I'm not too concerned about while watching this show. Mm -hmm. well and while it's giving i
0: I don't know if this is the same for you for you guys but while it's giving me answers it's not exactly what i expected in some cases Mm -hmm. particularly like with the revelation that they might be angels or that there might be some you know what (laughs) i know but i was like so i'm watching a religious thing like and and there's dna in that all the way from the very Mm -hmm. beginning obviously you know she's escaping a cult but that surprised me and it wasn't a disappointing surprise it was like oh okay
1: so that's what we're watching i want to know more yeah At every junction, it seems to be doing that where it says this is a logical way to pursue the story, but it's often the one that you would have put like fourth or fifth in your guess of where we were going to go next.
2: Well, Or or it gives you an answer to something, but then as soon as it does, it introduces another mystery or raises another question. And I mean, I will confess, there are some times where I'm like, fuck, I hope that like, again, when it gets to the end, like, there aren't going to be things where like, well, this doesn't make sense because of this and this and this mm-hmm. and this like, and that was something that I know plagued lost. Yep. But at this point, I'm just like, I don't even care. I'm enjoying this ride. And I, I am a little perturbed that Dorothy still doesn't know. <laughs> like, I mean, I guess she kind of seems to know, but then she like, they keep walking her revelation oh, back. that
0: <laughs> moment. That like, moment no. in the finale. Uh,
1: where he's about to tell her he's about to tell her mm-hmm. that what and you're just like sean fucking spit it out yes
0: and then all of a sudden jericho is back and it's like
2: Fuck. i know i know when it's that i was like oh my god no like just could tell you her been...
1: <laughs> could you yeah. wait just like two more seconds leanne to bring him back mm-hmm well, and particularly, so I had a huge issue with the episode called 2 a.m. It's the episode that M. Knight directed himself this season. And that's the one where every morning at exactly 2 a.m., that's when Dorothy wakes up and she physically assaults Leanne. And to me, it's one of the most disturbing, not just episodes, but like those physical encounters escalating and becoming progressively more violent it became very difficult for me to get on board with what the show is doing because I was like, I don't know how I can forgive Dorothy or sympathize with her after this. Well, okay. Sorry. You can finish your thought. Cause I, I have a, piggyback onto that sure sure yeah so basically it was one of those things where i was like i need this next episode to have her acknowledge what she's done because we can't just keep pretending like sean would say no it's fine like you're nearly murdering this girl in our attic but i'm not going to tell you the truth because i'm too afraid for you and that actually is where we really start to lean into the idea that dorothy will die by suicide if she learns the truth like that's when nooses begin appearing as a visual iconography so I'm still not a hundred percent on board. It's the one piece of the show that I still don't a hundred percent love. But particularly after the finale, where we did almost get there, but also we almost got that news, folks. Like, yeah, we did. My piggyback was just Joe knows this. I fucking love Dorothy. I think
2: Lord Ambrose's performance. In oh my both god, season. It's amazing it is wonderful and she play it goes from like silly camp sometimes to again like heartfelt and like again to the the suicide the almost suicide scene it's just like she's playing so many levels but i also yes. do wonder like even without her abusing liam for me it's fine but i do wonder for the casual viewer if dorothy is too self-involved too oh. selfish so like, do you think that she's a likable character i like her but I don't know if I would say that she's likable. You know, I I think it's an interesting
0: point because like, I think when you were talking about this and whether and her likability, I was thinking back to breaking bad, for instance, where Mm. by the end of the, the show, the actress, um, was getting death threats. Skyler. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. For, for her performance.
1: Of and they're like, why are you being such a, a bitch to <laughs> <laughs> your drug running, murdering husband? Yes.
0: And so I, I do think that there I I think that's I think it's an interesting point because this character isn't likable. Like there's a lot about her. She's very funny, but I don't mm-hmm. think she's particularly a likable person. But I find that so fascinating because she Lauren leans into that a whole lot. Like I and it's you talked a little bit about. Her performance being going from camp to like being terrifying and i was thinking about this between a couple episodes one was uh, the 2 a.m that you were talking about joe where she is a force to be reckoned with she's and fucking she is scary terrifying terrifying in that and right. then i think about when she meets courtney with the k her father's <laughs> current love interest and courtney with the k is like dorothy turner for news and action news 8 <laughs> and she's like gives her this like curl of the lip and it, it yes. verges into that kind of like camp direction that she does throughout the season and then by the end of the uh that episode where she is like telling Leanne you know oh we're not going to tell Sean about that thing in the basement and yeah. there's this like look that is both camp but it's also incredibly heartbreaking and terrifying at the same time mm-hmm. the little look that she gives I do think that her journey in the last two seasons has been probably my, my favorite part of this show
1: hmm yeah It's tricky because I think it is the one that gets to be the showiest. I mean, there's been some really good moments for Rupert Grint's Julian this season. You know, the second last episode is basically him ODing because he can't handle the secrets anymore.
2: Oh my god, there was so much cocaine in that episode.
1: (laughs) All I could think of was like, somebody needs to stop this guy Mm -hmm. because he is going to OD. And then he actually does.
2: (laughs) And when you want to talk about directing too, mm-hmm. that shot when he does one of his sniffs and it goes oh up my God. and it spins around into like a tower of a bathroom, gorgeous. oh. Again, that, that's what we're not like using the yes. singular space as like to its advantage. Like again, they're having so much fun. It's not like psychedelic or like otherworldly, but they're just finding ways to use it that make it feel yep. so claustrophobic or open or like
1: vertigo. Yep. In Whatever they scene. need. And I love the the addition of the attic and the basement this season because it has kind of opened yeah. up the world into these new exciting places. Like we got to see what home looks like to Leanne and the way she decorates things. But then also that basement that... Honestly, it's a definitive horror space. Like, Mm -hmm. the cracks in the floor, the ooze, the gross water. You know, that's where Roscoe's hypnosis sequence happens. That's where, ultimately, Aunt Josephine... And that's interesting too, because so in our Patreon episode discussing
2: the first season and the first two episodes of this season, Joe, one of the things you pointed out was I really hope that we get to like, that there are places in this house that we haven't seen yet Mm -hmm. that we get to visit. And that is exactly what I also really like the speaking of, of the, the spaces, the, the last episode
0: where we see the hole in the wall and that Mm -hmm. is where she is buried. The the fried corpse of, so, and there's, (laughs) of aunt Josephine. And there are places in between the walls that someone could fit. And I'm like, okay, is that going to be used next season? Because at the end of the day, we are confined to this house and they do such mm-hmm. a good job of making yeah. it feel both, like you said, claustrophobic and giant. I love some of the pans that have happened this season where it's like down the whole long oh, yeah. hallway.
1: Mm-hmm. Going up the stairwell.
2: Yeah. Looking down. It reminds me, and I, I don't know how much of it is CGI, if any of it is. Maybe they found a way to make it all practical, but it reminds me a lot of the pan shots that you would see in Fincher's panic room yeah. or... Or in Alvarez's Mm. Don't Breathe. Like, it's very similar to that.
1: I think for me, though, it's seamless. Like, I I also can't tell whether Mm -hmm. this is a set or an actual house or they found some kind of way to, like, open the space up. But the way that they're using the space, and then particularly this season, we saw it a little bit in the first season. And obviously, it's an Apple TV show, so we are getting a little bit of product placement. But the use of found footage and Mm. screen horror this season. So obviously, where they go to the mall, we've got that funny moment. But to me, the standout is the pizza episode. The pizza heist.
2: Oh my God. It's the funniest episode of the season.
1: <laughs> but also there is a literal horror movie happening in Toby filming this as he explores this mansion. And we are waiting because we know that Leanne is there. And that's just a question of what the fuck is happening.
0: Well, and I love that, that mm-hmm. moment in particular because it's us watching the Turners, watching through the device, yep. watching Toby. So it's like this so many different ways of looking at this footage of truly being that kind of found footage, second screen aesthetic, that just like, you're, you're both like wanting to know how the turners are going to react. You're wanting to know, Oh my gosh, is something going to be around that corner because it's in first person perspective. No. Like there's all of that just going on. That is, is so, it was such a standout moment for me.
2: Even, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm diverting a little bit here cause I'm just thinking about, how much this is cuz the first season is very much it's focused on Dorothy and um Sean Shunton. and like their their POV for the most part and i like this season that we actually get a lot more not even explanation but more development for Leanne and specifically yes. specifically Julian who is mm-hmm. i think a very unlikable character
1: oh yeah he's the worst yeah.
2: <laughs> but 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 that that episode when him and Leanne have sex and he gets he plays that voicemail mhm it
1: breaks your heart. It doesn't
2: excuse his his behavior, but it makes, I understand it so much more. And I love that Rupert yes. Grant got to do that because I think he's mm-hmm. good in the role, but he's getting a lot of one notes to play. He's just playing yep. the same grumpy guy. So I like the grumpy see, yeah. comedic relief. Yeah. And so I like seeing him break down and struggle. And, you know, I didn't even realize watching it. We don't see him in the finale. Nope. No. So he's as, if we, as, as we, as far as we know, in the hospital
1: still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sean gives him a phone call and that's mm-hmm. it.
2: When I was thinking back
0: about the season as a whole, what I, I realized was that we were seeing like the rise of Leanne in this season, but also the fall of Julian, because he starts a season and is like they, they crisscross it at a point where they have sex and kind of an awkward an awkward uh, moment in the end the episode, but, um, <laughs> but like he is on this j- downward trajectory while she is coming into her own. And it's that moment when they cross that is like the sort of defining moment for both of them, because after that he ODs and she comes into her own and is
1: like, no, I'm ready to fight. Yeah. So this is the one thing that I don't know anything about your reactions to it because we haven't actually talked about the finale between the three of us. What did you make of the final moments of this finale where Leanne is doing her voiceover? She has brought Jericho back to the Turners, but we get this kind of voiceover that is eventually revealed to be speaking to the charred corpse of Aunt Josephine in the walls, but also seems to be speaking to a larger power about how she doesn't care if she's bad and she's going to do what she wants now. I was excited. (laughs) I I wanted it to keep going.
2: (laughs) you know i'm i'm kind of i'm kind of mixed
0: on uh, not mixed on the execution of it i thought it was perfect and i'm so excited to see what season 3 is going to bring mm-hmm. but i'm not quite sure whether this was meant to be uh i'm embracing my darkness or whether it's mm-hmm. meant to be I'm realizing that what the cult is saying about being pure because this entire season has been about like refuting the, the virginity aspect, refuting like the pure, like she's listening to music that like Mm -hmm. she's told is sinful. So she is like repealing all of these like highly lofty religious undertones in order to be human. And so I'm not really sure if I take that as being i I'm embracing the darkness in me. I'll carry and I'm going to burn everything down or whether it's like
2: i I'm just gonna do what i want right yeah, yeah. like i'm gonna person. be a fucking human being because yeah because i i don't think leanne has ill intentions well mm. i yeah i
1: mean i i, I yes I, revert that rewind that i mean i'm not i'm I'm not actually like butting heads with you because i don't think she has them for the turners but i don't know what her feelings are beyond that anymore because now they're a family right so she's going to continue to protect them and jericho Mm. but as we saw you know she seemed to take a certain amount of pleasure in killing well factoring into Uncle George's death and then obviously being the one responsible for Aunt Josephine's oh, death. I mean,
2: yeah, you want to talk like, you know, people complaining about a lack of gore and violence. Um, that finale delivered that shit
1: in spades. <laughs> yeah, it did. That was exciting. We started with that hand wound in oh. like the second episode with Julia DeCorno directing, mm-hmm. and then we got this fucking charred corpse at the end. Like, do not talk to me about this show not being a horror film and not giving us
2: good I am sitting there at the finale, and I mean, again, this is the very end, but like when... When Miss Josephine gets that thing in her eye, I, I, am watching it by myself, and I legit went, "Oh, <laughs>
1: yes, yes, yeah." I was telling Terry my screener kept buffering at like all of these inconvenient <laughs> moments, t- and I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. "It's only thirty minutes, Apple. Why can't you?" S-? Yeah.
2: This is, again, just random, but uh, the how to kill someone and reunite them with their, you know, savior oh video. Oh god. It reminded me... That video was so fucking well, funny. So I was watching this and I was like, okay, this is very like The Invitation, but also yes. like, I don't know why, but like with the Leanne stuff, it's, like, it's kind of like Pushing Daisies too. So it's like Pushing Daisies with the tone of The Invitation.
1: <laughs> right, yes. And how does the show manage to I do don't all know. Of this... Like, no development thinks, oh, no, they've taken it too far. I'm not on board. This isn't what the show is. I didn't sign up for this. Like, every new development feels organic. When Terry wrote his response back to me for the pizza episode, he was like, I wasn't expecting a heist movie in this show. And I was like, you are 100% right. That that is literally what it is. They are starting a pizza business to grift (laughs) people in order to find their missing nanny. Jesus Christ. What, Jesus
2: I Christ. Jesus Christ. I, 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 I died.
1: <laughs> that moment when
2: Dorothy picks up, Jesus Christ, I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> there were so many, oh my God, no, when when the dad's, like, girlfriend comes in and she, like, she mimics... Courtney with a K. She mimics her anchor and she just goes, aren't you sweet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or so even when, when Courtney with a K
0: drops to the floor and just starts (laughs) doing the caterpillar like move like it's just like an
2: exasperated like i'm dropping to my knees i'm like what is she doing and all of a sudden she's doing the work but maybe that's why you know because again what you're saying is you know oh nothing feels too out of bounds for what the show is honestly a fucking godzilla foot can come stomp outside their fucking front yard and i'll be like yeah "Yeah, okay like
1: (laughs) we've already seen at least two or three plagues this season alone yeah I just don't understand. It balances that. the tone, though. I, th- I think, I think, because the comedy
2: works, like it's balanced so well with the serious stuff that I think that makes any kind of weird leaps in logic more palatable. It's like when mm-hmm. I talk about parody or something that's, you know, kind of going silly. Like, okay, well, I don't really care if it's logical because it's kind of being silly. And while I wouldn't right. say that Servant is silly, there's enough comedy in it to where I don't yeah. know. Like, I, I'm not sitting there trying to piece things together because it's. I don't, which I'll say it's taking itself seriously because while sometimes it is, sometimes it's not, and that's kind of what makes it work for me. I do think that it is
0: self-aware enough mm-hmm. yes. because there's there's a scene again with Courtney with the K. I love her <laughs> in the car with Julian and, and his father where <sighs> she's like, Oh my god, I don't understand. <laughs> do they have a baby or don't do they? they <laughs> and Julian just like lays out the last two seasons of plot, and then it's like. Are yeah, keeping up, Courtney.
1: No. It's the, and it's the most absurd litany. Like, when you hear somebody say, <laughs> here's the premise of the show and what has happened over the last 20 episodes, or at this point, 19, it sounds absolutely bonkers. And then you think, no, but I, I'm so fully on board with what the show is doing. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of magical. The other thing that um,
0: I really do appreciate is, I, I remember Joe and I, you, you and I were talking about, at the end of the first season, like, I don't know how... They're going to continue for the planned idea, maybe of six seasons, because I'm like, what, what, how are you going to keep this going? Yeah. Yeah. And then season two answered that completely, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And then there's moments in the very last episode that I'm like, oh, this is even bigger because with the arrival of the Betamax tape and you realize that this isn't just one kooky, culty family living on a farm in Wisconsin, Mm -hmm. it's well, here's, here's our, our member from blah, blah, blah. And here's a member from somewhere else. And these are different geographic locations. So you realize that this cult is actually bigger and more organized than just this one kind of podunk or you know, that kind of mm-hmm. backwards cult idea that it's actually bigger
1: and more funded, or at least it was at one point, because again, right. who's using Betamax tapes? Yeah, there's that disconnect between the modernity and then the kind of nostalgic antiqueness of this. Which I think lends itself well to some of the more religious, dogmatic ideas that it's exploring, right? Like, is this cult old fashioned and has it been left in the past? And the mm-hmm. end represents this emergence into something new, but also like these people can literally call forth plagues in addition to Betamax tapes, <laughs> right? And heal massive burn wounds and yeah, with spit and peanut butter and some kind of lard. Do y'all think <laughs> that the ending of the show was already known? I think so. Okay. I, do, I yeah. think so, too. I don't think they know exactly what each individual episode is going to be, mm-hmm. but I think they know what the end
2: game is. Yeah, I think so, too. And, I mean, not that I even want to be the one to, like, oh, like, when I when I finish the series, um, do I want to go back and make sure everything makes sense? Not really. No. But I, I, I would bet you that most of it would line up. Because yeah. I think that these people, these people, the
1: creators of the show, are, like, they know what they're doing. Like, I feel like I'm in safe mm-hmm. hands with this show yeah and i guess one of the things that we should acknowledge is that i think even terry you and i have made the mistake of doing this that we mm-hmm. call this like an m night show which it is in tone and execution but it's actually being show run by tony Bas there you go Bass Gallop. Bass Gallop. <laughs> yeah <laughs> But one of the other things that we took notice of, particularly the second season, is that nearly every episode is directed by a woman. Mm-hmm, there's, mm-hmm. I think, three exceptions. Yeah,
0: there's there's one episode by um, M. Night, and then I think there's two by Nimrod Antel, uh, the director of Vacancy, among mm-hmm. others. But the rest of them are Ishana, and it, it's it's really, really good female directors. I, I mean, you yeah. have, I'm always going to butcher their names, Julia DeCornow. Yeah. That's what I say. And
1: <laughs> and Lisa Brolman.
0: Mhm. Mm-hmm.
1: It's one of those things where, you know, we really have crossed the divide with regard to how um, prestige directors are now able to find a home on television. And I know some people bemoan the fact that it means that we're maybe not getting new feature films from some of these people. But like M. Knight's daughter, she directed two of these episodes. She wrote the finale as well. Mm -hmm. And she's second unit director on his new movie Old coming out this summer. So part of me is like maybe the show is also now a launching ground for incredibly talented. Women. So
2: to that though I also say well I do get that like yes obviously I would love to see feature films from a lot of these female directors but also hey people watch Servant like watch the shows that are right. having the female directors like I mean. Fucking support the shows. <laughs> you can bemoan it but yeah go watch these shows because they're doing amazing work. <laughs>
1: mhm. And really at the, at the end of the day, that's what I want. I want to be able to have these conversations with more people. So every time somebody says, Oh, we started watching the show and now I can go back and catch up and read your reviews. It's like, it's very exciting because it feels like we're immediately going to get a new convert. Like, I don't know how you could watch the show and not, just get on board.
2: that's where the like water cooler con- you know i mean for the kids today you know that's what it was in like the 70s 80s and 90s like whenever like you had like an a nighttime soap which i mean i'll call this that i guess people would go to work the next day they're standing around the water cooler or their desk or whatever the fuck talking oh my god did you see what happened last night and the mm-hmm. closest thing we've had to that mm-hmm. recently i mean outside of WandaVision, was game of thrones right. like game of thrones was really yeah. like the last show yeah. to have that Which really makes Mm -hmm. me laugh when people complain about, like, week-to-week scheduling. I'm like, we just did it with Game of Thrones. like, (laughs) And also, week-to-week scheduling still exists. Like, not everything Mm -hmm. is streaming.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah. And I do wonder if, for some people, that is a knock against Servant because they don't want to wait. Because the episodes are only 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And because there is so much mystery... But I also don't think that this is, like, Trace, when you said, oh, I've fallen behind and I'm going to watch it so that we can have this conversation, I said try not to watch more than a couple of episodes at a time. Because it's not the kind of show that benefits from watching six episodes at once. Even with
2: season one, I was like, I can do two a night. And it's not because I don't like it. It's just because it's a lot. Like, even though it's heavy. It is heavy. And it's it's slow, but not boring. It's just, like, yep. it's an hour is good for me. Um, I think one night I did three but still, it's like, it's also because you want to soak it in, right? Like, if you binge yes, this, yeah. you, you it's easier to miss things. I yes. also do think that season two, I don't know if,
0: if you both feel the same way, is paced better than the first season. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think so. Because there, yeah. there are times by the end of the first season is like, okay, I'm good with this episode and I'm ready. But there are times on this
2: season where it's like, I want, if it weren't for the I fact that more. I'm writing
0: about this, <laughs> I would want to hit play.
2: But but how yeah. much of that do you think is because we actually have seasons two and maybe some or all of three combined into this season because of the of shortening mm-hmm. it from six to four seasons?
1: maybe yeah i feel like they also just they have a better sense of what they can deliver in these individual episodes like to me there's something about an escalation in confidence in storytelling Mm -hmm. this season all of the performers seem more adept and like settled into their roles and therefore they can handle this meatier material as well so i think i think it's a confluence of factors but for me the show is really firing on all cylinders yeah i would agree same
0: I also think that part of it is because of the way that they they film it. Because we're confined to such one area that they have to be more creative in how they film it. And I would say that the way they have staged scenes in the second season is a lot more interesting than the way they did in the first season, which isn't to say the first yeah. season was bad. Yeah. It's just, they found more interesting ways of shooting a scene where it's like, Oh, we're now seeing a different view of the same room. And it looks different. Like there's a couple times i mm-hmm. we like, which room is this? Because we yeah. were usually seeing it from one perspective. And so I think that they've gotten better at that. And I think that also
2: makes it more visually interesting. I, I do agree with you. But even in the first season, like, I mean, I guess it's because, you know, the first season we're spent being introduced to the space for so much of it. And so, yeah, they have to find something new, which makes me more excited for season three and how they're going to differentiate it next season. So I did like how they... I mean, I think this is something I pointed out, Joe, with you. There's one episode in that first season where we're watching Dorothy and the little girl who comes inside, like who just wanders in their house. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's shot... They're sitting on the stairs, and it shot, like, the cameras, like, behind, like, the bars on the stairs, and so we're yep. seeing, we're having, we're, it's like we're in a prison, like, we're watching them through the jail cell, but then it mm-hmm. moves to the bottom of the banister, and we're looking at them all the way up here with the banister in focus, but it's, like, a split yep. diopter where they're still in focus, too, but it's, again, like, it, stuff like that where I'm, like, I guess it, maybe that's the exercise, right? Like, what, did this, the concept for this show come around, like, hey, like, here's the basic plot, here's the end game, but also it's one location. <laughs> so play with it as much as you yeah. can Like get creative yeah, you've with You've got to get
1: creative There's a moment in the second last episode of the season So it's when Julian is in the bathroom Doing cocaine There's a moment where There's an extreme close up of what is Eventually revealed to be a Jenga block That Sean is about to knock over mm-hmm. And I literally could not tell Because it was so creatively shot If it was a block coming out Of the bathroom wall oh where Julian was because he was obviously about to topple over and I couldn't tell if it was a Django block or from the bathroom so when we do hear him hit the door mm-hmm. I was like did he just bash his head open and is he going to die
2: there were I don't know if y'all ever saw these maybe they were just magazine things maybe it was yeah it was like a game where it was like you'd have an extreme close-up of something and you'd have to guess what it was before looking at the answer in mm-hmm. the zoomed out picture of it so yeah that, that's what that reminds me of and so yeah I mean that's the thing like while narratively this show is again full of puzzles it's also a visual puzzle as you're just like, wa- like yeah. watching it all come together and i think maybe that's what makes it so fascinating to watch
1: um as well mm-hmm. okay so what would you rate season two of servant i'm at a b plus i think okay i'm at a solid a i am also at a solid a that's for fair. me this is like a near perfect season of television mm-hmm. It's giving me really, like, everything that I want, and also in unexpected ways.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No. Again, my B-plus isn't a negative, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> Why are you so low, Trace? Oh my god, I'm such a downer, I just hate everything. God, Trace, it can't be Legends of Tomorrow. Legends of Tomorrow is a solid A, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, oh Servant has nothing on Legends of
1: Tomorrow. <laughs> a comparison for another time, Absolutely, perhaps. absolutely. <laughs> all right well uh folks we would love to hear from you so if you have watched the video or listened to this audio and you've been watching servant season two hit us up we're interested to hear your thoughts hear your theories your speculations what is going to happen within next season mm. let us know and with that i guess cross out servant season two <laughs> <laughs> And cross out horror queers with special bonus cameo appearance by daily dreadful.
0: You've made it to the end of another bloody disgusting podcast. Congratulations. If you like our programming, consider searching for other bloody disgusting podcasts, such as Creepy, Horror Queers, The Boo Crew, SCP Archives, Nightlight, Margaret's
2: Garden, Nightmare on Film Street, and more.